0: Realtor.com is making a stand for buyer representation, and you can too. Join Realtor.com in sharing the list of 111 things buyer's agents do. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit to help spread the word, buyer agents are essential.
1: I was in leadership as the market was really good in 2006 and and then everything kind of started crashing. And so it was kind of the skill sets that we learned during those markets, I think, that really led to the momentum that kind of put out of this because we had to get as leadership teams and what we were doing, we had to get really focused on who was important. At that time, there were agents that were much fewer agents. They started dropping out. You had a lot of fear in the industry. You had a lot of uncertainty. And so we had to get really good at the things that mattered during that time. And and those skill sets are kind of what led to us because we had to get really good at you know what the market of the moment was we had to get really good at understanding the marketplace and the numbers that really drive our business and and that was as the leadership team we had to do that and then we're sharing that with our agents we had to get really clear around how someone was successful we had to talk a lot about the market of the moment we talked a lot about you know what was going on from foreclosures to helping agents price to all the skill sets and activities necessary To go be successful during that time and so we actually grew every year during the shift
0: welcome to the real Trending podcast where your host tracy belt editorial director of real trends interviews the brightest minds in real estate each week brokerage leaders top agents team leaders and industry experts join tracy to share trends their secrets to success and the lessons they learn navigating this ever-changing industry before we begin here's a word from our sponsor
2: some things just go together perfectly. PB&J, chocolate, and well, anything. And real estate agents and independent mortgage brokers. As a real estate agent, you help your home buyers find the perfect home, and as your local partner, a mortgage broker can help you also deliver faster closings, lower wholesale rates, and lower monthly payments. So find your perfect partner now at findamortgagebroker.com. Powered by United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 3308. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Belt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. Today, I'd like to welcome Smokey Garrett, operating partner of Keller Williams The Go Network, ranked number 11 by transaction sides and number 15 by sales volume in the 2020 Real Trends 500 rankings. So welcome, Smokey.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I, I might question you on the brightest minds in real estate. And I guess they were gone, so you got me today. So I'm, <laughs> I, I am honored to be on here and uh, spend a few minutes with you. Well, I
2: don't know if I'd say that because I'm going to go through some research that um, Steve Murray recently put together for us. And he did a 10 year look uh, from 2011 to 2020 on 731 brokerage companies who have been on the rankings um, during those 10 years. And you were basically number one all around uh, number one by sales volume, number one by agent growth, number one by transaction sides. Obviously, you could say that a lot of that growth is MA, um, as you've consolidated some of the Keller Williams offices. Look- However, mm-hmm. you are also number 12 in growth and agent productivities, um, and the mergers don't explain that. So I kind of wanted to get your take on your growth during those 10 years, maybe some mm-hmm. of the key happenings or key things that you did to really um, maintain that or, or grow your your agent productivity.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And so, well, you know, it's been, I've been in real estate business goodness for for over 20 years. I can just say it that way, over 20, almost 25 years. And so I, I think from 2011 was when we kind of began, if you, if you use that time frame, from 2011, is when we began kind of climbing out and, and every year got a little better after, after the shift. And so I actually think I want to go back and I'm sorry, I'm going to go back a tad bit farther as to why we had a lot of success through that. Because, you know, We were in the leadership. I was in the leadership as the market was really good in 2006. And and then in 2007, 2008, 2009, everything kind of started crashing. And so it was kind of the skill sets that we learned during those markets, I think, that really led to the momentum that kind of put out of this because we had to get as leadership teams and what we were doing. We had to get really focused on who was important. Agents, you know, there were, at that time, there were agents that were, you know, much fewer agents. They started dropping out. You had a lot of fear in the industry, you had a lot of uncertainty. And so, we had to get really good at the things that mattered during that time. And, the, and those skill sets are kind of what led to us because we had to get really good at, you know, what the market of the moment was. We had to get really good at understanding the marketplace and the numbers that really drive our business. And and that was as the leadership team, we had to do that. And then we're sharing that with our agents. We had to get really clear around how someone was successful. We had to talk a lot about the market of the moment. We talked a lot about you know what was going on from foreclosures, to helping agents price, to all the skill sets and activities necessary to go be successful during that time. And so we actually grew every year during the shift. And so while other companies were going backwards, we actually grew every year during that time. And that kind of led to the momentum that started happening after that, because in 2011 happened, and then, and then 12, and the market just kind of kept right on going up to that entire process. Um, And and our market center continued to be outperforming everyone there. You know, we have we definitely stayed to our principles and who we are as an organization. We were an agent-centric, agent-led organization that got in partnerships with our agents and it was the environment that we had kind of created during that time that really began to attract people. And, and yes, as you mentioned, we did have mergers and acquisitions as we did that. But it was kind of that foundation that we came out of the shift with that we, we really helped us and shaped who we were as a leadership team. And it was that environment then that we created that allowed a lot of the rapid growth as we went through there. And so you mentioned we were talking earlier about, you know, growth and productivity. You know, what we focused on every day was our growth, productivity, our profitability and our culture. And we tried to figure out what the key matrix were in each one of those categories that we looked at. And we looked at it kind of on a, on a monthly basis and been able to look, you know, as the future went, where the business was going what kind of things were happening and how we were having conversations with our people in order to help them really win in the market and get true partnership with our people. And so, um, that's how we went, you know, five years ago, then we kind of started seeing five, six years ago. And I think we'll talk about this later, but five, six years ago is when we kind of started seeing, all right, you know, you know, scale kind of begins to matter as the market changes and, and how we're able to do that. Um, our scale matters. And that's, I think it was six years ago, we created our Go Network in the organization where we merged some people in and uh, and merged some offices and offices that we were working with and kind of started working at a different scale. And so um, we've focused a lot on our leaders. we focused a lot on the people that we've been developing. And we've focused a lot on the key parts of the transaction on how we help our agents grow. The scaling side of this gave us new opportunities to go take what we were doing on kind of a little bit larger level. And, and also it helped us, I am not the exact way to say this, but I think it helped us a lot with just the expense of the industry and the expense of what's happened with our partnerships. So I think we have 45, 4,600 agents at the moment. And um, as that's begin to grow, it's a lot more work, but it's mm-hmm. also, It's also a lot less expensive and helps us to command a little bit different value proposition than what others can.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think the scaling, um, you know, especially for for smaller brokers or newer um, brokers starting out who want to scale. um, One of the biggest mistakes they make is not having that um, infrastructure in place before they actually start scaling, what are some of the specifics of things that you really felt like, you know, that you specifically did to um, assist in that? Um, and You said the leadership team. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I think we've focused a lot as as we have built. It. Numbers have become a part of our organization, but it's not just what the numbers are. We all look at numbers and and they mean all kinds of different things. And, you know, I was taught a long time ago, if you torture the numbers long enough they'll confess to anything. And so you gotta you gotta look at really what the numbers are are saying, but that's the numbers in terms of the market and how things work. What happens is um as a leadership team, the leader, our team leaders, what we call them in our in our organization, team leaders, office managers, brokers, whatever they, whatever your term is, you're always looking at business 90 days down the road. And mm-hmm. so whatever our agents activities are, things that are happening today, happen 90 days, you're gonna see the results of those 90 days down the road as an operating partner or or the leader of the organization, you're always looking kind of one year down the road and, and how things are working and what you're going to need. And so if we're focusing on making our agents, not just good agents, but we're focused on making our agents great business people, great business leaders in there. And, and so we do, you know, we've always done this, but you, you're always looking at developing your next set of leaders. And that's really what's attributed to our organization so much is, we have had a phenomenal group of people and leaders that we've got to work with, and we've got to actually be in business with both as agents and then moving into the leadership position of their next opportunity. And it's something we really you know, focused on a lot with our organization was just making sure who is our next leader and what is this going to look like? And we did this through leadership academies. You did this through making sure you're focusing on your leaders and you're building an organization that values leadership and values those qualities in the organization and then you begin to give the opportunities and so that's how you kind of you get in business with agents for a myriad of different reasons and then so you stay in business because you're able to be their opportunity to get where they want to go with their life and what those next steps are and so a lot of those things are things that we have just focused on as we have as we have have worked through this just from a pure development of people and human beings.
2: Okay and I know from the study um Your agent productivity saw 97.1% growth over 10 years. Um, That's really difficult to do. I mean, unless you're just only hiring experienced agents. And I know that Keller doesn't have a reputation of doing that, but maybe you are doing that in your offices. I don't know. Um, I know that the training is really important to Keller Williams. So hiring a new agent is not a big deal because they are going to train them through the process. So tell me a little bit about what you attribute your agent productivity success to.
1: Well, I I think it's many things. And so I think it has to do, number one, with it, we, we were, you know, what we were built on was a training organization, and that just wasn't one training for one group of people. And so I think as you break your office down, and no, it's not really what Keller Williams is known for. We have done a great job for years on bringing in new agents and developing in new agents and, and the processes you have with that. We've also done a good job of attracting top agents to us and building teams and continue to build that part. Um, but the main part of this is, number one, and we learned this during the shift part, is really track... On a monthly basis, those key numbers. So, those key numbers from a productivity standpoint, if we're in partnership and business with our agents, what happens is our office grows as our people grow. And so, we've always looked at it as we just have to get in business with the right people, focus on the people that want what we have and want to be in business with us, and then make sure their business keeps growing. And that's going to attract other people to our organization as we grow. Now, that's an easy to say, and that's probably a buzzword lots of people end up saying, except we always had the results that, that, that backed that up. And we always had the results that was going to back that up with numbers. And so on a monthly basis, we didn't just look at what the production level was of our offices and go by that. We looked every month. We had a, we got a, PPP report, but it was a it was something that looked at how many of our agents are being productive, how many of our agents are being able to take a listing, how many agents are working with buyers, who had closings, how many had pending. So we break it down by the individual agent. And then we're able to tailor our training and our, our our help to the specific group's needs on where the market of the moment was or what's going on at that time. And so we actually broke our organization down as we grew, not to just say, here's the latest and greatest training class, or here's a title company coming in. They're great, but to to do some sort of class, but very action-based, very specific training that met the agent's where they were at the moment in that time. And so we were able to segment out our offices and the people inside of our offices and give them the help and training that they needed at that time. So understanding our organization and the training behind that was was kind of key for us because we didn't have to just throw a whole bunch of stuff up against the wall and see what sticks. We're able to say, this is the group of agents that need this type of training right now. And we're able to provide that training and that help and so whether that's through a coaching program whether that's through a training class whether that's through helping and so we became very effective once we created the muscle of being able to look at numbers and having our our people understand the numbers now we're being very we're being very strategic with our conversations not just having a bunch of things and trying to have one one size fit for all and then once you have it once you have the numbers and have results you can start pushing the results because you have numbers and actually real stats and real people that are actually having success. So now you take that and that begins to build the culture of the organization.
2: Yeah, that's really um, so smart. And I think that it's something that a lot of brokers really struggle with um, being that you have to wear many hats and figure out many things, you know, so the idea of breaking it down per agent, especially in some of the bigger companies, it, it gets... Difficult. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah.
1: well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, absolutely. And you know, every everyone, I'm sure, slows down and, and looks at their agents. You look at your productivity, yeah. and and mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we start and and I did this. We start a lot with you know getting really creative with how we help things and how how we entertain. You know, we almost entertain our agents as opposed to really you know, have result type expectations of our agents and you get them to a class by entertaining them, but you want to have very effective training classes that are really help them get where they want to go. And so that was that was something that we did. We just we we focused on. We looked at. We delivered that on a, on a daily basis with our with our people. And like I said, looking down the road, if you understood the market where the market was going, you understood what the needs of your people were. We're a representation of the entire marketplace. And so if it's working for our agents and our people, then it's going to work for the whole marketplace. And so if we're able to segment out the different needs of the people, now we're able, like I said, to get very strategic. Um, and so with our conversations, and that's really helping them to get through what they need to get through as we're moving forward together.
0: Let's take a quick break to talk about the Real Trends Gathering of Eagles. Hi, real estate leaders. It's Tracy Velt,
2: Editorial Director of Real Trends. And I wanted to take a moment to highlight uh, two upcoming events that we have running back to back. The first one is on June 26th. It's our deal makers conference. And this is not just for real estate leaders who are interested in buying or selling a company. This really speaks to profitability and how to um, build a brokerage with value we'll also talk about some trends in the merger and acquisition and brokerage valuation business. Um, Steve Murray is hosting the event and we've got some great speakers for you. Immediately following that is our annual gathering of Eagles, which will run on June 27th through the 28th. This event is for real estate leaders, association executives, um, your entire C-suite, as well as team leaders. And we've got some some great speakers and topics. We're covering everything from mortgages, entry into real estate, to recruiting, and evolving business models, highlighting some of the different business models that are, are your competitors today. We've also are looking into improving capture rates of core services, talking about managing relationships with top teams, And we've got more. In addition, Larry Kendall is our keynote speaker. And in addition to his keynote, he's doing a special ninja workshop. It's a limited um, audience. So it's first come, first serve. So we'd love to have you register for the Gathering of Eagles. Again, it's at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs, June 26th through the 29th. The 26th is our Dealmakers Conference. It's a separate registration from... The Gathering of Eagles, you can find out everything by going to realtrends.com and clicking on the events tab. Thanks so much and hope to see you there.
0: And now back to the podcast.
2: Um, this one wasn't on the list of questions, but I'm going to throw this out here anyway. Um, as far as recruiting, who does mm-hmm. the recruiting for you? Do you have a recruiting team? Do your um, team leaders do the recruiting? How do you handle how do you handle recruiting across the whole Go network?
1: The answer reality is everyone does recruiting. It really is a, a group effort as we've been through. And so, how our structure structured and uh, structure structured how how our organization is structured is through Go. You know, Go is kind of you know a a little central brand that works over our organization, but we have 14 different individual offices uh, that are very local and 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 very powerful within side of their marketplaces. I mean, you know, as competition has moved in, and as as technology has moved in, as the disruptors have moved in, it's changed how you recruit a little bit. It doesn't Mm -hmm. change the change the basics of recruiting but it, it does change, you know, how we're going about helping people and having conversations. And so, you know, within each one of our organizations, we do have, you know, we do have people that are leaders. So we have 14 different leaders. And then inside of those 14 different leaders, you know, there's a group of people that help recruit and get in business with people. And, and I, That's- I kind of hate the word recruiting because uh, yeah. we're just, recruiters we're not. but, but we've done better job of attracting and that's mm-hmm. where I was going. We've done a better job of attracting people through our results and actually getting in business and having business conversations. But the growth part of our organization is something that, that, uh, and I believe growth is a sign of you doing everything else well. Yeah. And so. You're doing if you're if you're helping people to get better and growing businesses and offering good training and having a lot of value for your people and a value in terms of your organization, you're able to share that message with people and meet them where they are. Then they begin to grow, and so they're going to begin to sh- attract and and share that message out very purposefully. Um, but yeah, we have 14 different people that are recruiting inside the organization, and then as we've done this, we have leveraged out several of our um, the new agent recruiting and mm-hmm. leverage that out to some of our centralized organizations of what we have. We have, you know, we've come out with a free real estate school that Keller Williams has come out with participating with that. And so able to manage a lot more numbers as we go through. And so we have people that are very specifically set out to go have those first conversations and and make it a better experience. Okay. But I mean, reality is everyone recruits. I have recruiting yeah. appointments. I mean, I have recruiting appointments when we need all of our people do. And, and that's the focus on a, on a daily conversation.
2: Okay, great. Um, Lessons learned, maybe your biggest lesson learned over the past 10 years.
1: (laughs) You know, I have learned so many lessons over, over the last, over the last many years. Usually my behavioral style learns most things the hard way. And so, (laughs) uh, so I have, I have learned, I've learned a lot of things in terms of leadership. It's very humbling. You know, the greatest thing about, about leadership for me is it's a mirror. Your people are going to act and behave as the leader thinks and as the leader works. And so if you're, if you're having trouble with your office, they're having your same characteristics and behaviors. And it's because of kind of how you're doing things. Some of the biggest things I've had to slow down and learn just from coming from a leading a sales team to leading an organization, you know, a leading an office to leading an organization and, and a region is just, you know, how far you're having to look down. And, and not being very reactive, you get into a trap, or at least I did, uh, of being very reactive to things as they come, there's always an emergency, there's always something going on. And so but it's being able to, you know, as I said, as the team leader, look 90 days down the road at what's coming, you know, there's some seasonality in real estate, and there's also if you understand the trends in the market, you can see what kind of things are happening with the market. So being able to look 90 days down the road, if I'm a leader, and we're, not, and we're struggling on profit this month, there's nothing I can do to fix profit this month. I can only fix profit three months down the road because if we're starting today on activities that are based on what they need, then you're gonna see the closings 90 days down the road. And so being able to, be more strategic with my conversations and looking a little farther. Also for me as the leader looking, all right, what's happening a year from now? What kind of decisions are we going to need to make down the road? The biggest challenge I have had personally as a leader is just trying to move too fast. And so, and as soon as I have moved fast, we run a partnership model. We run a very agent centric model that has shares shares our profits, shares our decisions, shares how we do things. Um, I've always gotten in trouble and my people have always let me know when we start moving out too fast from where we're going without taking time to explain the why and the how of where we're going. And so I've, I've, I've always had to make sure that I'm making sure I'm in business and relationship and listening to our people and understanding and also taking time just to slow down.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, and speaking of slowdown, you know there are mixed reviews from economists about the market. Um, and you know you've obviously made a lot of decisions about your company that to, I, for lack of a better word, to market-proof your company no matter what the market um, ends up being. But what are you seeing out there? Are you seeing multiple offers slow down? Are you seeing price um, increases slow? Or is it business as usual? Well, business as the new usual, I guess I would say.
1: (laughs) Well, I, I, yes. I mean, is, is, is the easy answer for that. I mean, it has been a, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. I mean, if you look back, you know, just to the beginning of 2020 and what you were expecting with the world and how things were going to work and then to the shutdown. And we didn't know if we're going to be making any money, any revenue coming in as the brokerage with all the responsibilities to then a, a boom in the housing market and just, just unreal things happening, you know, unexpectedly. And, you know, I think that's, that's, that's forced all of our organi- organizations to change from being just, you know, uh, this is our model and where we're going to be able to move fast. And so you have to get more nimble with our organization are, is, are we starting to see a slowdown? Um, A little bit. We're starting to see more contracts starting to fall out and more people backing out as interest rates have changed and choices they've made. And and so, in looking towards that, it's caused a lot of additional conversations with our infrastructure in terms of helping people through the legal side of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a prediction that, you know, I've heard several people predicting that there's going to be a 10% slowdown in units this year. And that's, you know, equates to, I believe, about 600,000 units difference in that. And on top of that, uh, I know at one point, uh, within the last six months, we had 400,000 people in real estate school, taking real estate classes to get into the real estate business. So you have a flood of new people coming in and we have a slowdown in the market. And so, so yeah, it's going to be definitely different as mm-hmm. we move forward. But on the flip side of that, there's probably more opportunity in our industry mm-hmm. than there ever has been before. Cause it almost doesn't matter how things have changed, whether you've been selling real estate for, for 30 years or for or for three years, or for thirty days. It yeah. it, it, it the, there's new skill sets coming into the marketplace, and the market's a different place at the moment. And so it's kind of like the people who got in business in two thousand eight, two thousand and nine. That wasn't strange for them. That was just the way it was. And That's just the way you did it. So yes, we're seeing the seeing some market changing a little bit, mm-hmm. but we're also still. I you mean, know, we we go from fifty contracts on a on a on a listing to ten contracts on a listing. Homes are sitting a little bit more but it's going to be interesting in the future how how we how things work out and what's going to happen
2: yeah yeah definitely you know i i kind of in talking to a lot of people um we have a broker pulse survey that we put out at real trends and so far for the next uh, we do quarterly for the next quarter i would say the majority of brokers are feeling still very optimistic about the market and the opportunities out there
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think mm-hmm. what happens from a market standpoint, if you're asking just here about the market, I think you have a couple of you know three things going on. First of all, you have all the technology companies that are out there, and, and you're just seeing this. You have you have big tech that's coming in that is that is disrupting the going to our consumers trying to get involved between the real estate agents and our customers and and spending billions of dollars in that industry to get in this that's a reality and that's that's a that's a disruptor that has come in And it's also a market shift that's happened over mm-hmm. the last couple of years because so much money has been sent in you know <laughs> here in the dallas fort worth marketplace uh, and this is the first time this ever happened the number one office uh number one number one office in the dfw area is open door Well, that's an entirely different choice for consumers they're making and that's never that's never happened before so you need to have different choices and be able to react to that you also have you know a a how how agents are relating with our brokerages and and how we're going to offer service and how we're how we're going to actually be able to service our people and and work with our people and what kind of value in different ways it used to be very much in the office and right there and now people are wanting having expectations of needing things more on demand, differently, Mm -hmm. having different relationships with the office and what they've done in the past while still being very effective. And so you have that, and then you also have a market shift going on. Mm -hmm. And all of those three things go on at the same time. um, That does create a lot of confusion. That does create a lot of, I think, fear. Brokers, on the broker side, and this is for brokers, but on the brokerage side, we've felt this for a couple of years. We have felt this well before our real estate agents have started feeling the pain of all of this we saw that a couple of years ago as as commissions were changing as as you know our models were changing as demands kind of changed um we kind of felt it coming now the agents are starting to feel it as things happen and it's starting to starting to hit them a little bit and so now we've been through two years of preparation so to speak on what's happening and mm-hmm. so now it's you know how do we help and what kind of models do we help see for the future and how we're able to play a part of the future not just play a part of the past and try to do it better.
2: Hmm? Um, so are there any changes in the brokerage environment that have changed the way you operate now or a change that would cause you to add new
1: services? I mean, The answer on that's a hundred percent. I mean, as, as we go through, you know, five years ago, I told you when we kind of started bringing everything together, we're all right. You know, what is the, what does the future look like? And I do believe every brokerage and every agent has a, has a couple of questions right now in their heads. And so, those two questions. Number one, I'm afraid of the future. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to try to maximize and be as profitable as I can for as long as this lasts. And so they're taking a very much of a I'm going to get lean, mean, and just just ride it out. I don't, I don't feel like changing. I don't want to make the change. This is too scary. It's too confusing. Or I just can't. And okay. so I'm just going to ride out and try to be as profitable as possible as I can until whatever whenever this stops. And then there's a second group of agents and a second group of brokerages uh, that are coming out saying, all right, how do I go reinvest what we have to participate in the future? And Mm -hmm. and they're both big decisions. And so are you willing to take the profits that we've had and reinvest those back into the future so you can be a part of the future? Or are you looking to go, are we looking to say, all right, are we just going to maximize what we're going to do and and just make as much money as we can until it ends? And I think every agent is going through their minds. And so you have a interesting time in real estate where you have those two coming together you have both agents and brokerages both with kind of all right where do I sit on this and so as a brokerage you know we've taken the we've taken the all right we want to participate into the future and I, and so I kind of look at it as we're all deciding what kind of bets we want to make on where the market goes and how we're going to be in business because our, our view of the future has to do with value and how mm-hmm. we're going to show more value how we're going to show more value to the consumer how we're going to partner with our agents in very different ways for example with open door that's a different model you're mm-hmm. not going to really handle that with a script for very long you can script around it for a while but mm-hmm. you need to have real answers for it those are those are you know there's a difference in and you have a condition versus an objection these market are condition markets which you have to have real answers for them. and yeah. so we do view the agent in the future as a home advisor not just the transactional type agent. And that's the transition that we look at. And that has to do with investing in technologies that help our people and technologies and helping our individual agents to get to have the type of life they want to have. We're focusing more on their life as as a wealth and how they create wealth in their life and how we're able to be that partner, not just on helping them sell more houses, but also create a bigger life as they go. You know, some agents are looking for, I need more services and willing to give a higher split for someone else to do it. Some agents are saying, I just need help being able to negotiate through the technology and negotiate through what's happening in a partnership type platform. Um, you have a lot of different groups of agents that are out there. And that's what we're kind of doing. We call it Go Your Way. We're able to get in business with people in multiple different levels. So everything we're doing with our models, we're questioning, and we've created an organization over the last couple of years that is able to move quickly to whatever changes are happening. We're not always right and we're wrong probably way more than we're right. And we're also continuing to move forward as we go.
2: Yeah, that's great. Um, well, Smokey, thank you so much for joining the real trending podcast. I look forward to meeting you in person, um, at the gathering of Eagles and, uh, I'll be passing some of this along to Steve. I think he's going to be the one who's moderating it since he's done the research. So we're Mm -hmm. looking forward to um, hearing hearing you at the gathering.
1: Sounds great, Tracy. You're a rock star. Mm -hmm. Thank you for everything. And um, I appreciate just a few minutes of time.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.